Welcome to the Skeptical Auditor Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Hernan Murdoch. In this episode, we discuss the biggest challenges facing organizations today, practical recommendations so organizations can keep up with the expanding regulatory environment, and how pursuing risk maturity can help organizations take better advantage and feel more confident when adopting new technologies of the future, like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and quantum computing. All that and more, starting now. So we were just talking a bit about IT governance, and one of the things that I was wondering about uh, in terms of your experience and what you hear and see about what's happening in that space is what are some of the biggest challenges when it comes to IT governance? We've been talking about it for some time in the profession. What do you see as some of the biggest challenges? Uh, you know, that's a, a very broad question. Thank you for giving me, a, you know, open-ended <laughs> questions. We got to love those, right? Uh, I would say, uh, just in my personal experience and, and just talking with people, working with people uh, worldwide in IT, uh, IT service management and project management as tr a trainer and as a consultant for many years, is that the globalization of organizations uh, brings a lot of challenges. Uh, I mean, I know in your, your background and traveling the world and doing this for a long time is when you start uh, taking something that can be handled, you know, you're already struggling with, I'll just use the U.S., for example, um, here in the, the States. You know, you have certain, you know, legal things that you have to do, and there's certain regulations that need to be addressed. And and those things are, of course, very common to, the, to a company that works domestically within the United States. And so as soon as though, and this is happening, you know, rather rapidly, is uh, when I was living in England, um, one of the things that a lot of companies would ask me coming from the States and saying, you know, Chris, you're in the UK, uh, you're in the Europe, you know, EMEA kind of area, what are some things that we got to look out for? And I said, has any of you heard of GDPR? And the, you know, some people say, yeah, I've heard about it, or I'd get this blank look or a silence on the other end of the phone. They're like, I have no idea what that is. And I say, well, if you're going to be doing business here in the EU, you need to know what GDPR is because you will be forced to implement those types of regulations if you are working with any citizen of the EU. It's just a requirement and you need to know about that. And they're like, well, is, is that like HIPAA? Is it what, how does that work with? And all of a sudden they start realizing as they're broadening their global approach, there is much more where governance now becomes even more in-depth, more intricate, and sometimes you have to figure out a way to say, well, then maybe we can't do this particular thing just because that will affect our market here, which is our big part of our market. You know, let's say for a company in the U.S., obviously mo our bread and butter is here, and that's an expansion market. And so to toss all these things that make us who we are here just to get another market, maybe that's a decision that they have to make. So I would say with IT governance, especially, um, that's uh, one of the, the big issues. A, a second issue, I think, is understanding risk management. Now, I know I'm opening up another can of worms here, but uh, one thing that a lot of people don't understand is with regulatory compliance, um, establishing your governance frameworks and things like that, if you don't have a good understanding of proper risk management, 
and train, whether it's your internal auditors or your teams or your executive leadership on how to uh, look at these things. Uh, you know, I know uh, you and I have had, uh, you know, private conversation about like, you know, what NIST is asking for in the, you know, in the cyber world and how risk is such a big thing and how are we implementing that as part of our governance and what we're doing. But if you don't have a good understanding, and I think a lot of companies out there, and maybe you've, you've probably experienced this just walking in as an auditor, where they don't really have a good understanding of risk. And so I think that's uh, those are the two biggest challenges that I think face IT governance today is the globalization of organizations and companies, as well as just a lot of people don't have that good, proper understanding of good risk management. I, I agree with you. I, I believe that those are two major obstacles and troublesome spots for a lot of organizations. And, and on that note, I'd like to pick up on, on something that you shared with us just now has to do with regulations. And you mentioned GDPR and the fact that there are a lot of new laws that are being enacted in the United States and abroad, right? GDPR is, is primarily in the EU. An organization that has any presence there, customers there. So when we're thinking in terms of what's happening stateside and abroad, we have different uh, rules being passed. You know, you mentioned HIPAA as well. We have uh, California, New York, and several others also passing their own privacy rules and laws around this. So as far as those is concerned, what are some of the ways that organizations can keep up with these rules and regulations and make sure that they're complying with them. And again, I just want to make sure that we don't look at this as the, the, the old school auditor who's basically saying, I have a checklist, let me go use it, but rather leveraging what we were talking about earlier, which is we build it into the culture. Compliance is part of who we are and what we do. We try to make it as painless, as seamless, as organic, as standardized as we will do anything else in the organization. So we try to take away that, let's call it burden, and we try to make it part mm -hmm. of how we operate. So from that perspective, then, what are some of the ways that organizations can achieve better IT governance and comply with some of these rules and regulations that are there to protect the stakeholders? How can we do that? Well, I, I think you, you tied into something, you know, rather important there, uh, Hernan, and that is that we have some of the older things, like HIPAA's been around for a long time. Uh, Sarbanes-Oxley has been around for a long time. Uh, now we have some of these new regulations that come in, and what I, as a consultant, when I step in, one thing I say is don't be too scared because what you're going to find is a lot of what's under, whether it's the California, the New York, or uh, 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 Gramm-Leach, or GDPR, or any of these, is there's a lot of commonality. There's a lot of common elements that are going to be in these regulations. Like, as I say, it's, sometimes it's almost common sense, where, you know, if that's somebody's information, um, you need to make sure that people who aren't supposed to see that information can't see that information. Well, that's a universal statement in probably every single one of those regulations, right? You know, how, now how do you do that? Um, how much, um, I would say, uh, uh, you know, you have to do with the storage of it versus the transmission of it, uh, making sure that people understand that, uh, you know, data in motion, data at rest, and data in use, the three things that are part of data integrity if you get into the security side of things. And how do we protect that? Well, the good news is, is much of what, let's say you are a European company, and, and anyone who's watching this that's been uh, familiar with GDPR, 
and you know their privacy, as we would say in the UK, or privacy, you know, issues that they have. You'll find that a lot of the rules or the the policies or the controls that you have in place to meet those things will tie into a lot of what you're going to have to encounter if, let's say, you are a European company coming into the United States. And then, okay, what do we have to know about the, you know, this, you know, you know, we got we have to understand, you know, Graham Leach, or we have to understand California. Well, what if we're not doing business in California, but we're only doing business in New York? And what does that look like from a federal versus statewide type of, you know, all these things, again, take a step back and say, what do all of these things have in common? And what are we doing currently to maintain those things? And then it makes it a lot easier now to start breaking down that, well, here's what we have to add, or maybe we can't do anymore, or we have to pull back from. And so that would be kind of my advice, uh, you know, for, you know, some of these laws that are being passed. And if you're an auditor and you can step into this, you know, as, as you know, anytime the word auditor, you know, they, they, they used to say if the shadow of an auditor passes you, you know, you only have, you know, so much time left at a company. You know, someone once told me and I'm like, where where did that come from? I go, they're just human beings. They're just trying to help us out here. Um, but I would say that if, an, if you're an auditor, if you're able to step in there and say, look, I know you think this is going to change a whole bunch of things. Maybe not. Let's let's take a look at what you're currently doing. And then let's just find those different things in that particular area. Okay. Uh, you know, it's interesting that you made, you, you made light and, and I appreciate that. But you're right. There are so many things that are said about auditors and, and, and try to inflict pain and, and, and fear in people. And, and at the end of the day, we're just trying to help the organization do what it's supposed to do. And we, we have that role to play. And, and, and part of that is because of the independence and the objectivity and just having that party that is not embedded in operations come in and take a look at things to be able to determine whether or not what, is should, what should be happening is indeed happening. So uh, that is something that we all try to also uh, help uh, our clients appreciate the fact that we're just trying to help the organization. So that's, uh, again, something that we're always working on. Now, in terms of the dynamics around uh, communicating compliance and, and, and take some of that pain away or, or make it less painful, uh, if you will. I recall having a client once and some of their policies were, were written in a very interesting way. They had kind of the official language uh, for several things. And then they had a section attached to it where they would, in a way, kind of translate it into everyday language and just kind of simplify the concepts and, and explain to people why the policy was important. So when you're thinking, for example, about shoplifting and, and, and trying to protect the organization, you know, as a retailer, from shoplifters and, and keeping um, the merchandise from being stolen, so you have all this very nice language that you write, uh, and then they will talk about, well, why is this important? Well, because uh, if you are losing your merchandise, you're, it's going to uh, eat into your profitability, which eventually is going to limit your our ability to provide pay raises and invest in the business, right? Uh, if we need to make sure we lock things down, well, why is that? Well. And they will explain why that's important. If you need to take something out of the warehouse, you know, how we're going to make sure that that is really accounted for and it's not just moving without being recognized in the systems that like it should be. So all of these things were translated in similar to what's on the shelf and why do we need to make sure it's properly stocked? Well, you don't want customers to go into the store and not find what they were expecting to find. When you lose the customer, you lose the sale. So it's interesting how they would simplify the language. And I really enjoyed and appreciated that. 
because what they were trying to do is explain it in terms that people understood and going back to what I was describing earlier, which is the why. But that helped strengthen the IT govern well the governance in general right of the organization but let's right. go back to IT governance because as we're talking about this a couple of things I would like to bring to this dynamic again and has to do with how we assess and how do we monitor and you spoke briefly to that and I also mentioned uh checklists or questionnaires, right? That is an essential tool. We can't walk away from it entirely. But what are some of the ways that organizations can make sure that what should be happening is happening in the context of IT governance so that we can embed it into the everyday activities of the organization? Well, I think uh, one thing that I always uh, suggest, and, you know, and some people can do this and some people can't, is to have a single source of truth uh, when it comes to Asset management, configuration management. Uh, you know, one thing that you'll find, and, and there's several others out there. I'll, I'll mention two here, and you know, not, not that I'm overlooking other IT service management suites, but uh, ServiceNow or uh, BMC's Remedy. Uh, some of those that where you have your asset management, your both hardware and software asset management. You know what equipment you have, the valuable components that you have in your system. You're able to track those. Uh, we know how important it is for compliance, uh, for licensing, right? And, and what software you're using. Are you using the licenses appropriately? Well, if you have that single configuration management system that's kind of at the core of a lot of these uh, suites of software, it makes it that much easier for, and it doesn't matter which department you are. It doesn't matter which, uh, you know, what level you are in the organization. You, everyone has equal access to be able to provide the data that's necessary necessary, that that data is up to date, that that data is also, uh, you know, something that can be then exported in many different forms. Uh, as we know, maybe one auditor wants to say, um, I just need a list of all of the items that are in your primary facility. Not a problem. Click, click. Here you go. Uh, and again, because you have that in a common centralized uh, system, that is going to make it a lot more easy to then reply to the auditors. It also allows the auditors to know how to ask for certain things. You know, if they go, hey, by the way, I noticed you're using this particular uh, software. And I know for a fact that it can do a report for me. Could, would you mind, you know, running that for us? And people can say, no problem. And that also helps with communication because, um, you know, I, I can only say this is um, the one audit that I've gone through where someone would say, hey, by the way, do you know X, Y, or Z? And I realized I knew X and I knew Y. I didn't know Z. And I, quite frankly, I didn't know even know where to go look for Z. And so that was something that was brought to our attention. Like, look, you need to keep keeping track of Z as well as X and Y. I know X and Y were very obvious to you, but Z is also something you need to do. Well, guess what? The software that we were using actually allowed us to track Z. We just hadn't been inputting into it. And so that was one of the changes that obviously was suggested by the audit team. You know, you need to make sure that you're keeping up with something like that. So I think that um, as a way to help with that and, and to deal with those things, I think by using that centralized single source of truth, uh, where you have your configurations from an IT standpoint, uh, configurations, your assets, the how things are working, how change occurs, uh, policies, all those things can be contained in one centralized system. 
I think that's that's very very powerful. And we've been talking about like data warehouses for so many years, and some organizations have it, some of them don't. But then you have some discrepancies. Uh, how often the information is stored there? Uh, being able to retrieve the information. So many different dynamics playing out uh, in different organizations, but being able to move in that direction, I think, will definitely serve our clients quite well. When we're thinking about uh, the future and, and different trends and, and let's call them predictions and so on, uh, I'm curious about how IT governance is going to help us strengthen and harden organizations and protect the, the assets that organization has and the means of creating value for the organization. So we have things like uh, the Internet of Things and all of these devices that are now coming online. We have things like um, RPA, Robotic Process Automation, and Machine Learning, Artificial Intelligence. We have a lot of these different things coming online and I'm curious about how they are going to impact our ability to feel comfortable about the level of governance that we have around our IT infrastructure how do you see it playing out well you know quite honestly um, I see a lot of people talking about it um, actually putting together an action plan on what we're going to do when quantum computing happens Okay, well, we're, we're now talking about things that are beyond the scope of most uh, C-suite folks. Um, they've heard the term. They know that it's out there. They really have no idea what it's going to do for them or how they would implement it or even whether they're going to implement it. I, I know, uh, Dr. Hernan, you know, you, having been in the industry for a while, remember when cloud came out and, and when all of a sudden now you no longer have the devices on your premises, Okay, that changes because according to policy, according to regulation, you must have control of data at any one point in time. Uh, part of the reason why the military for the longest time did not utilize cloud computing was, again, they did not control the actual physical device. And so think about it. They had to adjust uh, policies, regulations, frameworks were you know, literally you know, spun out into existence because of cloud. Well, now let's fast forward to today where you talked about two big ones that I think that already are, I, I would say more people are at least talking about it right now, is the AI and the machine learning. Um, you know, you're now, um, you know, you start talking to, you know, people that are scientists that it sounds almost like sci-fi, you know, like science fiction, where what happens when a machine makes a decision about something that a human being was not involved in because the machine has learned how to do something better, smarter, quicker, faster. You know, that's a question that we now have to look at from a policy standpoint, as a governance standpoint. We are, as an organization, responsible for the end products, the services that we provide to the consumer, whether that's our internal people, whether that's external, uh, especially if you're servicing a government entity. Uh, there are certain things that have to happen. Well, how do we do that? And so I think that is probably a challenge. I, I think... People will figure it out. As I like to say, there's a lot smarter people out there, uh, including yourself, uh, that are going to figure this out. And I'm always like, oh, I can't wait to see what you guys are going to do. But I can see it as something that is a, something that we're going to face, right? Something that is a challenge to all of us. Right. And I think that... Uh Leveraging something that you mentioned earlier will help us tremendously, and I believe and I subscribe to that train of thought as well, which is that uh, the risk management dynamics around what we are doing are going to help us 
or hurt us if we are not adept and we're not embracing it for what it really is. So risk management uh, is, is not just basically filling out risk registers and, and, and rating things high, medium, low, or however you rate things. It, it, there needs to be a culture around risk maturity and, and knowledge and awareness so that when you start to see some of these tools come online and when you start to see the dynamics around it and how it impacts all different stakeholders, you embed the risk knowledge that you have into that conversation and then you start to figure out what you need to put in place to protect what you need to protect and how you're going to smartly create value where you're going to then mobilize those resources to create value. So I think that that is going to help us tremendously. But I am as, as excited as you are. I think that there's a lot coming uh, in the future, and we're going to see a lot of things that are going to really transform our lives even more than we have already been uh, impacted by evolving technology. So, Chris, thank you so very much for helping us better understand these dynamics and for sharing your insights and your perspective. Truly appreciate it. A big thank you to Chris for his time and for sharing his insight with us. If you're looking for more ways to stay ahead of the curve and earn CPEs, check out Audit Pro TV On Demand, subscription learning for auditors by auditors. Visit acilearning.com slash auditprotv.